And here we are, Wednesday, January 27th. The Iowa GOP won their state senate special election last night and is set to vote on their abortion amendment today. I'm Josh Cook, and you're listening to The Daily Dome from Potluck Media. Let's dive in. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you're staying warm with the snow. Um, that was quite a uh, quite a drop of snow that we got on us. Um, had to do quite a bit of shoveling myself. Um, but let's just jump straight into things today. Um, not a lot of stuff, but uh, but some important things. Um, and first off, yeah, uh, as I mentioned in the opening, Republican Adrian Dickey uh, defeated Democrat Mary Stewart in last night's special state Senate election uh, to replace Marionette Miller-Meeks after she won uh, her congressional seat in November. Um, this will put the GOP at a 32-18 to 18 majority in the state Senate. Um, the 18 Democrats in the Iowa Senate will be the fewest since 1971 to 1973 when there were just 12 Democrats in the state Senate. Um, obviously not a margin that they want to see. On a similar note, um, the Iowa Democratic Party has also picked their new chair, Ross Wilburn, who will hopefully look to usher in a new era for the Iowa Democrats after they suffered much bigger losses than they had expected in the November election, um, which have left them with this 32 to 18 uh, minority in the state Senate. Uh, Also this week, some news picked up steam about a piece of legislation proposed in the Senate that would prohibit Iowa schools from teaching kids about gender identity unless their parents uh, explicitly sign off on it. Um, That's garbage. It's also heartbreaking uh, to see consequences like this in a state that has swung so far right after being a leader on social policy for so many years. Um, If this is to go through... It will mean that other attacks on LGBTQ plus people in the state will be easier to pull off in the future. Um, obviously, you know, this is this is a, a, an attack on education and um, LGBTQ plus people in the state. Um, and again, like especially dealing with education on LGBTQ plus issues, the last thing we need to do is be removing more of that from our textbooks. Um, And what was that I just mentioned? Consequences of the state's swinging right and the Iowa GOP being one of the more Trumpian parties in the country? Yes. Uh, They are also going to vote in the Iowa House today on the abortion ban amendment. Um, So you might want to call or write your rep today, um, especially the earlier the better. Again, this is not one that will go straight into law, um, but to take this vote just one day after also um, moving on uh, with the gun rights amendment... um, Again, just all all very Trumpian. Um, and there was also some action later last night. Um, with meetings being delayed due to the blizzard, um, The what happened last night um, included some education bills getting moved, um, which are coming from the governor's office. One is an in-person learning option bill, uh, which would require schools to provide kids, parents, with a 100% in-person learning opportunity. Um, There seems to be support for this idea on both sides of the aisle um, in Iowa, but figuring out how to safely offer 100% in-person learning is still a point of contention. Um, There's been a lot of changing pieces over the first year of the pandemic after, you know, a legislative session convened um, and Reynolds legislated nearly on her own. Um, Now that the legislature is back in session, there is more input, um, but also, you know, a little bit more disagreement, obviously. Um, And and the big one seems to be how do we get kids safely back in schools um, who need to be there? We're talking about kids that, um, you know, aren't 
aren't thriving in online learning. They need that in-person learning environment. Um, you know, maybe they don't have the the access to the technology um, to do uh, at-home learning, or maybe you know their parents don't have access to childcare. There's a lot of reasons. Um, but, you know, the kids that need to be in schools. Um, it seems like you know a lot of people agree that they need to be there. But again, how do we do this without increasing community spread? That's that's the big part. Um, and it, it actually seems like Iowa schools have done pretty well in terms of limiting community spread and um, and contact tracing seems to be a lot better at the schools um, than outside of the schools, obviously. Um, but my biggest concern is that we're already seeing this COVID variant in the UK and Europe shut schools down again because it seems to be transmitting much faster um, than previous variants. So, I mean, we'll see how that plays out. That's that's my big concern is that, you know, we could settle into some new rules. Um, and then, you know, if something changes, obviously, this UK variant's already been identified in the United States. It is here. Um, you know, if that if that makes its way in Iowa and there's a big outbreak and then, um, you know, community spread is increasing through schools, then I'm sure we'll have another conversation about this. Um, the other piece of education news over the last couple of days is a bill that would create some sort of funnel for moving state funding to private schools, as well as create more opportunities to establish and build charter schools. Um, I think this one is going to elicit more of an emotional reaction for some people. Um, like I was talking about, getting kids back in school is something I think a lot of people have uh, mixed emotions on for the reasons that I mentioned. Um, but there really seems to be some pushback um, across the aisle on this private school bill. Um, some people are calling the program vouchers. Others are saying it's not vouchers because the money goes to the family and not directly to the school. Um, it, it sounds like two sides of the same coin to me, um, but I think the main piece of takeaway from this proposal um, should be that <laughs> the proposal creates more routes to move public funds to private places. Um, if this isn't potentially socializing private school and taking funds from taking funds from already underfunded public schools, um, I'm not sure what this is. Um, and and I wanted to talk about uh, this and the the 100 in person learning option bills. Um, so I caught up with Representative Tracy Ellert. Uh, to talk about these education bills. Um, and I talked to her yesterday um, in between meetings before the nighttime meetings. Yeah, so I'm an early childhood educator. So in Iowa, um, that would represent birth to third grade, so about age eight. Um, my undergrad and my graduate are both in early ed with a focus in teaching and diversity. And during the school year, I work in the Cedar Rapids Community School District um, in one of our most diverse elementary schools in Cedar Rapids. We serve over 40% English language learners, mostly refugee and immigrant students. Um, we have over an 85% um, low socioeconomic status, so very, very diverse school. And then in the summertime, I run a childcare program. Um, I used to teach preschool prior to taking office, but I just don't have um, the time, you know, to devote to a full classroom while I'm in Des Moines a few months out of the year. So I kind of piece together everything. And then I'm a continuing ed instructor at Kirkwood Community College. And so I teach the early ed workforce in different early care and education topics and then speak on those at a local, state, and national level. Um, so most of the legislation um, session that I have personally proposed has been around early ed and particularly right now around child care, um, especially right now with COVID as people are trying to get back in the workforce and are struggling to find places to take their children or safe places. Um, as far as education committee, um, 
1064 and 1065 are over in the Senate, so they are working on those. We, this week, um, actually, we recessed last night due to the weather and came back first thing this morning to talk about getting students back face-to-face -face 100% for districts that are not already doing that. Um, you know, as a teacher myself, I can say we absolutely want students back face-to-face, -face, but it has to be done in a safe way, not only for the students, but for the staff as well. Um, the first couple of weeks after we went back to school in Cedar Rapids, and we delayed because we also had the Duray show, which was, you know, something else we had to factor in uh, along with COVID. So we went back in September, first few weeks, we were having absences of over 20 staff members a day. Um, it just, things just weren't working and you can't teach students when you don't have teachers there to teach. Um, even, you know, your transportation staff, your cafeteria staff, all, you've got to factor all of them in too to, um, be able to run the school day <laughs> sufficiently. Mm -hmm. And um, we just need to make sure that all districts are able to meet that and safely so everyone can go back and stay healthy. Representative Ellert also talked about the amendments being discussed on the House side, including making sure that all education staff has the chance to get vaccinated. So we do have quite a few amendments that we're working on. Um, we want to make sure that stat all staff has the opportunity to be vaccinated. Um, doesn't mean, you know, that they're going to be required to, but that they have the opportunity to, um, because we know right now vaccination is really going to be our best bet at keeping everyone safe. Um, we want to make sure that parents have sufficient time to um, request that their children go back face-to-face -face, if that's the option that they want, but also that the school has sufficient time to be prepared to accept those students face-to-face -face when they might not otherwise have been doing that. Um, there's a couple financial implications that we put in some amendments to make sure that that um, extra $20 million that the governor referenced um, to schools that offer face-to-face, -face, it was very vague. So we want to make sure that schools um, and there's a little more teeth in the language so that schools can um, get that money if they're offering face-to-face. -face. And I'm trying to think, we've been, it's been a whirlwind of education <laughs> amendments and going back and forth since last night and this morning. But those are the big thing. Other things were mostly just um, like clerical stuff that we were clearing up. But big things, just making sure that it's safe for everybody um, and, you know, that parents do have a choice and that we are getting the kids back in school. But it's just it's got to be safe for everybody. And, you know, we we want it to um, be a smooth transition also, not just, you know, the day the bill goes through here and parents, you get to send them back. Like we've got to make sure that the schools have time to get everything set up also for the children. I asked about some of the challenges the legislature is facing by legislating in this moment, namely having to pick up where the governor left off and that pandemic information and guidelines are constantly changing and how these things can make it hard to make statewide rules regarding education. I think one thing that makes it difficult is that, you know, legislators aren't in session year round. So we thought, you know, in March when we suspended session, we'd maybe be out of session for a couple weeks and schools would only be closed for a couple weeks. And then we realized, you know, that wasn't the case. We didn't come back till June. So everything was left to one person, the governor. Um, so we didn't really get to discuss as a legislature what to do. And then now we don't come back till January. So that kind of makes it complicated as this has continued to progress and wasn't as short-lived as we thought it would be. And then the other issue is really understanding the differences between all the districts and not just 
the urban, you know, urban and rural. But I think about um, the school district that I teach in and that one of my um, children are in. They, we didn't all have devices until this year, we, and we were not planning on all having devices until COVID came along. Some districts do not have devices, so how do you how do you offer that online learning in an equitable way and also in a way that they're really learning and not just doing packets of worksheets like some districts are doing for their um, non face to face um, version? It just it's really hard because all the districts are different. Um, some districts, you know, teachers are teaching both face to face and online and they are just burnt out where other districts have figured out how to designate some teachers to just be online teachers and just do face to face. So it's understanding that not all the districts have the same tools and resources, same number of staff. Um, you know, broadband's definitely an issue. I live a mile away from the school that I work in. And with the derecho, my internet has barely worked um, since then. So when we did go virtual, I still had to go to the school building to teach. Um, some people weren't comfortable being in the school building when we were virtual because of COVID and they didn't have, you know, have to go there. But I did because I didn't have internet. Um, so not everybody's working with the same set of tools. And that's really hard when you're proposing legislation that's going to affect all the school districts. I also asked Representative Eller to give her take on the school choice bill that has seemingly opened doors to use public money on private schooling. My view on that is I am very much for school choice and families have that right now. If you want to homeschool your child, you know, feel free, homeschool your child. You want them in the public school district, put them in the public school district. You want them in private school, you know, whatever your choice may be. We already offer school choice. But the fact of the matter is, is the majority of Iowa students attend public school and those students are going to be our next workforce, our next, you know, policy and decision makers. We have got to make sure that they're educated. So we have got to continue putting funds into public schools and making sure that they thrive. Her proposal does not do that. It pulls money away from the public school system. And um, I don't have the information right in front of me, but it actually is not as widespread as um, people think. It's not going to help in every situation. So when the bill first came out, everyone thought, oh, this is just going to give me the opportunity to, you know, go to any school that I want. And it doesn't necessarily do that. It's kind of based on the area that you're in. Um, so you have to really look at the maps and see what areas it's going to affect. And there's already money that goes to the private school um, system um, more than I would like to see going there. And not that I have anything against the private schools, but they're private for a reason, public's public for a reason, and we've just got to continue to invest our money in public education. That is all for today, folks. I will be back on Thursday with a special conversation with Des Moines Black Liberation Movement organizer Jalen Cavill, uh, where we'll talk about how to support BLM, the summer of protests, the governor, city and police responses, um, legislation on protesting and more. Um, should be a really um, important and, and fascinating episode. Um, you know, thank you, Jalen, for making some time with me. So um, check that out again. That episode will be out Thursday. The Daily Dome is part of Potluck Media Network, a project of Progress Iowa. We would not be possible without grassroots supporters like you. Visit potluck.fm and progressiowa.org for more info. Follow Potluck Media at potluckfm pretty much everywhere. Let me know what you want to hear about or who you want to hear from or about. Please um, follow me on Twitter at josh underscore cook underscore. Rate the show. Uh, share it if you want to listen to it. Um, and send me your thoughts. Um, would love to get some engagement. 
would love to um, see what you're thinking of the show and see what you want to talk about and see if I'm, I'm leaving anything out. Um, or if you want to praise me, um, obviously we'll accept that as well. So um, thank you guys for listening and have a good rest of your week.